there and welcome to this week's show. I'm Bob Gentle and every week I'm joined by creators, consultants and practitioners who share what makes their business work. Whether you run your own business or you're just thinking of stepping out on your own for the first time, you're in the right place. Now before I jump into this week's interview, I want to talk to you. I'm going to be making a couple of small changes to the show which frankly you probably won't even notice, but I thought I'd better explain what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Simply put, I'm changing the name of the show to bring it properly into alignment with everything else I do. My own agency and coaching business recently rebranded. The new company is Amplify. Amplifyme.agency is where you'll find the website. And this podcast is just changing its name and rebranding to reflect that. That's it. So, welcome to Amplify, the Digital Marketing Entrepreneur's Podcast. If you're new to the show, then welcome along. Just take a second right now to subscribe to the show on your podcast player. That way you don't miss new weekly episodes and you can dig into some older ones when you finish this one. This week, I am really excited to get a chance to spend some time talking to Brent Weaver. Brent built, ran and sold agencies and now runs YouGurus, where he works with digital agency owners around the world, helping them learn to sell better quality projects. I've been following Brent for years, so it was a real treat to spend some time with him. So welcome along, and let's meet Brent. I would love to welcome Brent Weaver from YouGurus. Brent, do you want to maybe just start by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and the kind of work you typically do? Yeah, my name is Brent Weaver. I'm the CEO and founder of YouGurus. We are a business school and training and mentorship program for digital agency owners that are looking to attract more leads, win higher value deals, and uh, delight their clients. Um, We've been doing this now for six years. Uh, Before that, I had a digital agency, and I ran that for 13 years, scaled it up to about 14 people, and uh, sold that in 2012, and now have been uh, working with agency owners and um, all that good stuff for the last few years. So actually, I'm based in Castle Rock, Colorado. but our clientele are obviously all over the world. We've got you know a handful of clients in Colorado, but we work with agency owners from you know Ireland, uh, Dubai to uh, Hawaii and New Zealand and all across the U.S. And the agency that you sold, I've, that's still running, isn't it? I mean, it's gone through a few incarnations, but it's still there. Uh, yeah. So it was it was acquired by an agency that's still in operation today. Yeah. Right. So the kind of agency owners that you're working with now, how would you classify or categorize them? What does an ideal YouGurus candidate look like for you? Uh, I would say 80 to 90% of our clients are doing less than a million dollars a year in revenue, uh, one to 10 people, and they're looking to, to kind of grow up, uh, grow you know beyond that. Uh, I have a handful of what I call private clients that are doing over a million a year in revenue, um, but I'd say the vast majority of our clientele are, you know, kind of that one to 10 person shop looking to scale. Yeah. And in terms of revenue, what's the sort of foundation level? The sort of, what do they need to be in order to sort of naturally become a, a YouGurus candidate? Yeah. So we like to work with people that are, first of all, full time in the business. Um, that probably to me is more important with than the revenue that they're at. Uh, it's kind of difficult to work with folks that have you know full-time jobs and are kind of side gigging uh, agency type work. Um, so if we you know if people are doing agency stuff on the side, uh, we typically put those folks under a little bit more scrutiny in determining if we're the right fit for them. 
Um, so if they're full time in the business, you know, making five-ish thousand a month is probably kind of a good starting point. Um, we have had customers that are doing less than that. I'd say kind of our sweet spot is they're doing right around six figures um, when they reach out to us and we kind of help them scale up into multiple six and potentially seven figures. And I guess what might sound like a stupid question to some people, but turnover and profit, they're not the same thing. Um, <laughs> I have definitely worked with a lot of agency owners that, uh, you know, the top line, right? The the vanity metric looks great, uh, but the bottom line doesn't look so great. Uh, but look, there's a lot more levers that you can pull if you're a half a million dollar a year agency and the owner just happens to not be taking home any money. Um, you know, there are a lot more levers to pull with that kind of momentum um, than if you're the agency owner that has, you know, no clients and no employees and, you, you know, you're starting from scratch, right? So I think you're spot on, you know, top line and bottom line, they are very different metrics to look at. Um, bottom line, obviously, over the long run is the one that we want to scale the most. Uh, but there's also something to, set to be said about, you know, 10% of a million dollars um, versus 10% of 100K, right, is, is yeah. different orders of magnitude. And again, this is kind of, I'm, I'm freewheeling around a little bit here, but I'm curious to know, in your experience, is there, is there generally a direct correlation between size and high revenue? Or are you seeing some really small businesses with really high revenue and some really big businesses with really small revenue? Uh, you mean like size, like in terms of headcount? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, rule of thumb, agencies, you know, if you're if you're looking for like how you compare to other agencies, uh, you know, 100K per head is a good starting point benchmark that if you're not doing 100K per full-time equivalent, um, there's, there's probably something, uh, you know, structurally wrong with the business. So if you're a five-person, you know, you got five full-time equivalent people in the business and you're doing uh, less than half a million dollars a year, then you're, you know, you're, you're, there's probably something structurally wrong with the business in terms of pricing, in terms of how, you know, you're probably overstaffed, um, et cetera, right? Uh, and you want to you want to really see that number go upwards of 200k per head um, for a, for a, a really uh, efficient, well-run agency. So if you've got a five-person agency doing a million dollars a year, you know you're probably doing uh, pretty good on on a you know I'm just jumping into your agency and doing a quick like thumbtack check of are things like on track or off track. You know I've, I've gone into agencies that are doing. 300k and they have 13 people right like that's a problem yeah. that means that nobody's really making more than a teacher salary um and in the only cases where i've seen that work really well is when those are you know offshore based companies um where they have like a team in the philippines or something like that but i also see companies running the 100k the 200k uh revenue with those offshore teams as well i've got a client right now that um, you know, is running like an 80 or 90% profit margin and they're pretty much a seven-figure business uh, because they have an offshore team and they're running to those same standards. And that's quite a feat, actually, to work an offshore team to very high standards. It, it takes some doing. Uh, it, it helps when the owner is from said country. So uh, yeah. that when, when, when you have somebody that, you know, comes over from abroad and lives in the States to get stateside clients and there isn't that culture gap. 
you know, one of the biggest mistakes I see agency owners make when they when they go offshore is they treat it as an outsourced team versus a, a, a an actual part of their team. Um, they they view that team as just you know their workhorses or whatever, right? Versus integrating them into their actual culture of their company as as employees um, that just don't that aren't based in in the same place, right? And that's where you kind of have that issue where they're not on the same page in terms of processes and workflows and you know uh, general uh, values that the company shares. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think you've we've spoken about there's lots of levers you can pull in a business to optimize things. And I'd like to get into that, but I'd like to have a look at your journey a little bit from agency owner into business school for agency owners. And I'm curious to know, what was the impulse for you to sell Hot Press? Um, Was that outside pressure, we want to buy you, or were you you looking at making that next step and you decided, okay, we're going to sell this. So a couple of years before uh, our exit, I started to I, we started a, a training website. Um, it was kind of a micro niche site for a particular technology that Adobe made called Business Catalyst, and um, that was the CMS at the time that we were using. And I started to blog about that content management system. Started talking about you know how we sold that system, uh, how we were marketing our agency. And, um, and that started to gain some traction. And we uh, eventually, about a year before we exited, I guess it was about 18 months before we exited the agency, we had launched a trading product uh, for that ecosystem. And, um, you know, we really enjoyed that work. But after uh, a year and a half of, of having that website, we kind of woke up one day and realized we had two businesses. We had a training business and we had our agency business. And I was spending more and more of my time on the training side of the equation. And I was seeing some really great results with other agency owners. The impact that we were having on their life and their business uh, was was something that was very difficult to ignore. I always tell people about this letter that I got. It was this six-page letter about an entrepreneur, business owner, agency owner that had taken my sales methodology and he basically had moved out of his, you know, he had had a, it was him and his daughter and he'd gotten split up from his wife. He had lost his job. He, like everything had kind of fallen apart, right? And he had lost uh, access to uh, see his daughter and he didn't have an income. And so he was able to turn that around, used our marketing and sales methodologies, and he was able to scale up uh, a really nice six figure agency in like a very short period of time using our methodologies. And he wrote me this letter about how he was able to, uh, you know, buy a house, how he was able to start going to his daughter's soccer games again, and basically rebuild his life because of of what had transpired. Uh, And when you get a letter like that, it's hard to ignore uh, that obviously you're having a huge impact on these people's lives. And I had to ask myself a question, you know, do I want to go down this path and put 100% of my effort into this? Or do I want to go down my, you know, and continue to grow and scale my agency, which was also a successful business. And I loved all my clients. We had a great time. Um, and we made huge impacts in their business and the world around them. But I think I was at like a crossroads. I had to choose one or the other. I'm not kind of a half measure type of person. I don't think I could just continue doing both things like halfway. Uh, and so it was around that time we decided to, to start making some moves to uh, build the trading company as our full-time thing. So we ended up launching YouGurus um, shortly thereafter as a separate company and launched the YouGurus brand, which instead of being focused just on BC, we were now focused on the general web pro uh, agency owner market. 
Mm. And when you set up YouGurus, was it, and, and I appreciate, I think it's it's changed a bit over the years, but was it really geared towards sort of the web design agency market? Uh, yeah, the web pro, I guess, web agencies was kind of our starting point. I think that that market has evolved now into more of what I'd call the digital agency market. And that was kind of looking at technologies like websites, for example, um, you know, back in 2012, I think there was still a component of that that was kind of living on its own island within uh, within the companies that had websites, right? Whereas now, yeah. I think, you know, you kind of have your your web applications that are more of a, you know, a tool, and then you've got your, your, your websites that are more and more living in the marketing space. But I think that, you know, agencies went from thinking of themselves as a web agency to more of a digital agency just because of the big platforms like Facebook and YouTube. And, you know, it wasn't about just a website anymore. It's about the digital um, platforms in general. And so I think we just kind of saw that shift and said, you know what, I think we're we're going to go that direction and, and shift with the marketplace. And so we started using the word digital agency about three years ago um, in, in how we think about our customer. Yeah. As something you said earlier really, really resonated with me. And I remember I went through a bit of an exercise a couple of years ago looking at why did I get into this business? Because going back a few years, I was running sort of a medium-sized digital agency. Um, and I, w- I looked back and I thought, why did I get into this business? And it was back in sort of the year 2000-ish. Internet was really new. I realized I can make an impact with this stuff because I really, really got it. And I reflected, I can make an impact on people's lives with this. And over time, you kind of get in a rut of doing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. And I looked around one day and thought, I'm now lumbered with this business that's almost entirely dominated by websites. But what do I want to do? Let's reflect on it. I want to make an impact. And I've got this blossoming digital marketing business going on the side. And the websites are holding it back. But why? what do I want to do? I want to make an impact. And am I making an impact with websites anymore? Well, no, not really. It's because it's incredibly competitive now. And it's hard to really stand out in that particular space. I'm not making much of a point here. It just resonated with me a lot. <laughs> Well, yeah, look, I mean, I think that's that's the nature of entrepreneurship, right, Bob? I mean, I think that you look at, um, you know, any anything that grows, right? I think businesses grow and die just like, you know, organic matter, right? And I think if you look at something like a, a tree or a bush, right, like it's something that grows and you have to decide as somebody that's nurturing that thing, watering it, making sure that it has nutrients that you know, you're, you're, you're obviously feeding it on an ongoing basis, but also that you're kind of pruning it and trimming it to where it's going to shape the way that you want it to do. So I think for me at that point, um, you know, I looked at my life where I was expending my energy and what I wanted to do over the next five to 10 years and, you know, made a decision. And is that the right or wrong decision? Like if, if, if somebody's out there today running an agency, the, the, the worst thing that they could do is say, oh, wow, Brent has, you know, he sold his agency and then became successful running a coaching business. And I can tell you right now from being on both sides of the line, um, neither business is easy nor harder than the other. They're both different. They both have their own different challenges uh, to scale and grow and make successful. Um, there are plenty of things that I did in my agency that, you know, were uh, things that I might do differently now. But um, there's lots of things that in my in my business now that, you know, I kind of wish were easier like they were in the agency, right? Um, you know, I think just, I'll give you a, a prime example. You know, 
all of my clients, or 50% of them, used to be in the Denver, kind of Colorado metro area. So I had a really strong network here in Colorado of clients. Like when I went to restaurants, when I went out to civic engagements, like I would see clients. I would have motivation for engaging with them as a part of my identity. And when I shifted to this business, which is very not local, that went away. And all of a sudden, there was no motivation for me to connect with people on the local level at that at that in that way. Um, there was no, you know, I wasn't in the who's who anymore. I wasn't attending regular events. I wasn't, you know. So there's this whole part of my identity that kind of went away. Like, you know, is that better or worse? For some people, they might like to have that really connected, purposeful, local involvement. Uh, and that was very different when I switched my business, right? So there's all sorts of things like that. Like, you know, it's like, is, is, is one business better than the other? Like, I, I don't, I don't know, right? I think it's, it's what's right for you. And so when I work with our agency owners, I mean, one of the things that I like to do is sit down and I say, you know, you have this kind of why stack, right? Of first, why, why are you in business, right? Why are you in business at all? Is it because you're trying to achieve financial freedom? Is it because you don't like working for anybody else and you like that autonomy? Is it because you want to choose who you work with and have fulfilling clients and, and work on fun, exciting projects? Is it that you want to live anywhere in the world? Right? Figure out why you want to do entrepreneurship instead of have a job, right? And then kind of the level up from there is why this business, right? Why an agency? Why a web design business? I think you tapped into something there, uh, Bob, when you're talking about, you know, you want to have an impact, Right, and there's 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 narratives that you can spin for yourself, right? That you know, when you're building websites, you're not having an impact, but when you're doing digital marketing, you are having an impact. Well, that's obviously a very subjective uh, view, right? Because what are your websites doing? Maybe they're connecting businesses together and allowing people to find out information about things that they want to buy or experience. I mean, there's impact in both places, right? We would build websites for large multinational nonprofits that were like solving medical problems in Nigeria, right? Like that's meaningful work, right? Um, so why an agency, right? Get clear on that. Why are you doing digital marketing? What about that is getting you up in the morning? Because sometimes in the work, when you're building landing pages or you're trying to figure out why this code won't work and you're about to break your keyboard against the wall, uh, you know, like why are you doing it to begin with, right? And then the third why that I think is really important is why you choose to work with the market in which you do. And this is really important for people to realize is that they have a choice in the market that they go after as an agency, right? What is the group of people that you are most connected with that you can have the biggest impact on and you should choose that strategically of who you're going after. So it's like, why this business? Why entrepreneurship? Why an agency? Why this market? When those three things are in alignment, you can then... I think lead a really powerful movement for your agency in the marketplace. Yeah, I think you've you've got it just right. I think what I was really getting at is in terms of impact, was I making an impact that only I could make? And in the website space, my answer to that was no. Mm. Um, one thing that you really excel in is communicating a sales strategy for agencies that's really structured, really logical. And I've, something that I see quite often in uh, small digital agencies is they're really good at either one of two things. They're really, really good at the mechanics of doing their job. That's almost a given, the, the product. But they're either really, really bad at their own visibility or they're really, really bad at sales process. Where do you find people tend to struggle more? Is it sales process or their own visibility? 
uh, I, I think on the, you know, for, for where I, in my, uh, my perspective on this has shifted over the last few years, um, Bob. I think initially our courses and my focus was on sales because I, I think that uh, the biggest impact that I could probably make on an agency owner or a web pro or a web designer, um, the fastest is helping them tweak their sales process. Because we can go in there and say, okay, look, if you're getting about a lead a week or even a lead a month, if I can teach you a different way of interacting with those prospective clients, shift you from a commodity mindset to a value mindset, change the language and process in which you interact with people. Um, you know, Let's say somebody's selling three or $4,000 projects right now or retainers or whatever, if we can help them 2X that by simply changing the words they use and the process in which they deal with people, um, that's where we'll have somebody come into our programs and they're selling 2K projects and within three months they land a $30,000 project and their life has changed. One of my clients just landed uh, an $80,000 client project, right? Uh, before working with us, he was struggling to break three or 4K, right? We changed his process and approach. He had the talent and all of a sudden he's landing $80,000 projects. We can have the biggest impact on people in the fastest way possible if we attack the sales side of the equation. Um, now, the problem with this, of course, is that just by attacking the sales side of the equation, getting people bigger projects, more profitable projects, um, it's, it's, not, it's not that it's short-sighted. Um, it's just that the benefit is, is kind of in a way like merely financial. You know, um, The marketing side of the equation is probably where I see most people really struggle with building momentum. Um, is is actually building themselves as an expert and an authority in a specific niche. The benefits of doing that over the long run far outweigh uh, honing and focusing your sales skills. And there's a lot of reasons for this because when you have your marketing dialed in, when you have your messaging, you know who your audience is, you know what their problems are better than they know, you can get inside their head, speak their language, when they view you as an authority before they even reach out to you, the sales process almost becomes uh, a side note because when they when they contact you, when they get on the phone with you, they are ready to buy on that very first interaction because they view you as the savior to their business or their organization. You know their problems better than they do, and they're ready to pay top dollar for it. Uh, not only that, but if you're if you're really set up in a market well what you actually offer that market can get simplified, it can get polished, it can get systematized, and it can turn into a scalable productized service that you can actually create a lot of leverage. You can start to get yourself out of the, uh, the seats in the business. You know, If I teach somebody how to be an amazing salesperson, if I teach them how to speak the value-based language, if I teach them our sales process, that still means most of the time that the agency owner themselves is stuck in the sales seat. If I teach you how to focus on a market, dominate that market, create a productized service for that market, we can start to create systems and structure in the business because we're seeing repetitive work come through and we can start to elevate the agency owner out of the sales seat, out of the marketing seat, out of the fulfillment seat and elevate them up to the entrepreneur seat so that they can not have to be involved in every single detail in the company and actually still generate revenue, right? So we see that kind of potential when we dial the marketing engine in. We'll never get that potential with just the sales methodologies. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, a question I'd like to put to you a little bit, and it's it's a puzzle that I, has, has troubled me for a long time, and maybe you have a perspective on that, is the mindset 
surrounding opportunity that one business owner will really struggle not to close a 15 20,000 pound dollar project but to even ever see it where and, and another agency owner will never be exposed to an opportunity that's going to net them less than 10,000 what can you do to shift that mindset um, or maybe expose yourself to these opportunities that aren't you would almost say they're not coming your way well you got to look at what your you know what are your activities right where are you investing your time uh, you know, I've talked to, 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 to small shops where I, you know, I say, okay, well, who's your ideal customer? And they'll say, well, I like to work with, you know, brand new businesses that are just getting started that are doing, you know, less than a hundred K a year. And cause this is their network, right? Yeah. This is who they know. And, and they explain to me who their ideal customer is. And then they say, then the next thing they say is, is gosh, and, and you know, every person I meet doesn't have a budget. Isn't willing to spend money on their website. Isn't willing to spend money on digital marketing. And I'm going, well, yeah, because these things are very, very connected, right? Like there's a certain physics here that we can't, you know, I mean, you could say just, you know, fundamental economics, right? $100,000 your business, let's say they can spend 7% of their annual revenue on all of their marketing and advertising, 100% of their marketing advertising for the entire year. That's $7,000 divided over 12 months out of the year, you know? They've got about 500 bucks that they can spend per month on all of their marketing and advertising. That means if they went and got business cards this month, you know, they had somebody design business cards. I mean, they're they're done for a month or two, right? Um, if they need to go attend a conference this month, right, or next month, right? Boom, that's 500 bucks plus a plane ticket. Okay, that's three months of their marketing budget, right? So if this is your profile, if you're struggling to find $10,000 clients, you have to ask yourself, well, what pond are you fishing from? Where are you hanging out? Where are you investing your time? If you're not investing your time or even asking your question, you know, where do businesses that have a million dollars hang out? Because trust me, there's lots of them. And trust me, they have, you know, it's not that they need more complex solutions. They need the same solutions that the 100K business owner does. Um, but the reality is, is instead of having 7K a year to spend, they've got 70K a year to spend. Yeah. So we have to just question who our target is. If we're targeting clients that are in our comfort zone, that have no money, then that's the problem. Right. It's so there is a mindset to it, right? The mindset of I'm not, you know, I don't have enough experience yet to go after clients that have a million dollars. Well, I'm going to go go ahead and give all of your listeners today permission because I promise you those businesses with a million bucks a year, they need the same solutions, the same services. They need a website that has their information on it, right? The same stuff that the 100K business owner needs, they also need, but the value is just more, right? The value of those problems being solved for them are just 10 times more valuable. Yeah. No, that's that's such a good answer to the question. I'm really glad I asked it. It really, it's comfort zone. Is if you're never seeing those opportunities, it's because you're not really extending or testing your comfort zone. I had a guy once. Uh, you know, he just asked me. He said, "Well, well, you know, because we had this conversation." And his next question was, "Well, Brent, where do I find those businesses?" And I said, "Now you have the question, right? I mean, sometimes it's just it's it's a matter of going." in having that question to go to sleep at night and to wake up at night and to go to Google and type in, you know, businesses with over a million dollars, right? There's a group called Entrepreneur Organization, EO. Uh, I was a member of EO for, for many, many years. And EO, you have to have a million dollars a year in annual revenues to be a member of the organization. So by literally asking the question of where do I find businesses with a million dollars a year and more in revenue, 
The answer could be, well, you could sponsor your local EO chapter, which might cost you five grand a year or whatever. I don't know what the sponsorship costs state to state, but they have sponsors and you can go in and become a sponsor of an EO chapter. Now it might cost you some money to do that, but the reality is, is now you understand that there's that you can go do that, right? It's not that you can't do that, it's that now you have a specific list of, well, let's find out how much sponsorship costs. Oh, it's $20,000 a year. Well, I don't have $20,000 a year. Well, okay, well now the question is, how do I find $20,000 a year so that I can go sponsor that, right? Can I ask friends and family? Can I uh, take out a loan? Can I go sell a few projects and work nights and weekends and hustle my butt off and get that 20 grand so I can sponsor and get in the room with million dollar businesses, right? Like once you get clear, on the question, then you can start coming up with ideas for the answer. Yeah, I mean, you're you're in a creative industry. It's not difficult to come up with um, some angles to achieve what you need to achieve once you know what it is. It's um yeah, it's not rocket science. Making friends isn't hard. It just you just need to know where to go. Um, I'd like to ask you your perspective on another question, and really, it's it's an evolution of a question that I regularly ask. Uh, people that come on the podcast but I'm going to extend it a little bit for you uh, most businesses generate their business through one of a couple of methods there's either referral or word of mouth inbound through digital marketing social media SEO that kind of thing or outbound proactive sales activity is generally going to be one of those three there's not much else but I was curious to know from your perspective, working with many digital agencies over many years, what you've found the healthiest ratio to be of those three? Well, referral and word of mouth is a given. So we can just put that under the category of hope marketing. Like, I don't believe that that's marketing, right? That's right. just, that's what happens when you do right by your clients, right? Like when you deliver good work, uh, you know, I think it's, it's, that's, you know, that's not marketing to me, right? That's basically us saying we have some clients, we do great work, and you know when they, you know when when uh, luck strikes, they talk to us about talk to us about uh, to other people, right? Now there are, there's obviously things you can do to kind of like spice up referral and word of mouth, right? You can actually ask for the referrals, you can you know stay front of mind with your clients by you know sending them a newsletter or what have you, right? Uh, there's ways to stay front of mind that's more active marketing. But I think referral and word of mouth, we can just go ahead and put that in the bucket of I'm not doing anything to market my business and I'm rolling the dice and hoping that the world is going to take care of me. Um, <laughs> and, and, and the reality is, is I know a lot of people that have had agencies for 20 years and they pride themselves on being driven totally by referral and word of mouth. And they, they make it a pride point until they don't, right? Until one day I get a call from them and they say, you know, we're having a really bad year, right? We're, you know, th- the, the floor just fell out from it. And then they go through a line of excuses of why, you know, oh, well, we lost this client and this happened and blah, blah, blah. And the reality is, is, well, they just relied on referral and word of mouth for 100% of their business. And then people stopped referring them for whatever reason, right? Maybe it was cold out or whatever, right? And they had no marketing engine behind them. So now I look at inbound, outbound, and here's how we think about marketing at YouGurus for our clients. Uh, one of our goals of our key program uh, U Academy Pro is to help our clients dominate their market. And I believe that the only way that agency owners really like to get leads and prospects is when they are contacted by them. Um, and so our marketing pillar is called attract, meaning that um, the goal of the agency is to build a marketing engine in which it attracts ideal prospects 
to the business. Now you might call that inbound, um, but there's a lot of outbound components to any inbound strategy. So I, I personally kind of avoid uh, these words, right? Uh, let me give you an example. If we're gonna use authority publishing as a engine to build up inbound leads for an agency, the only way that you get published on podcasts or on stages or on blogs and publishers is by reaching out to them for the most part, right? Now you do get the occasional person that reaches out to you and says, hey, I want you on our show, but that usually happens after a certain amount of momentum has been built up. Yeah. So when we sit down with our clients, for them to get out there in, in the market, like one of my clients, uh, their marketing engine is getting on stages. They have a metric of one stage per month. So every month of this year, they're booked out on stages for the next uh, seven or eight months. They're booked through January, whatever that is, right? So every month they have one metric that they run to. Are we booked on a stage? Their pipeline, their marketing engine pipeline is literally looking out over the next six, seven months and saying, hey, each one of those months, we have a goal to get one webinar, physical or virtual stage committed for that month, right? They're not doing anything else to market their business. They're not blogging, they're not on social media, they're not doing anything else, they have their marketing engine built and when they go do a presentation on a stage, guess what happens? People in the audience connect with the problems they're talking about, they reach out to them, they have some conversion drivers, some uh, you know, some offers that they make at their, uh, in, in their talks, not like paid offers or pitches, but you know, hey, you know, do a free audit or this or that, right? Yeah. So working with owners like and we've I've done lots of complicated outbound marketing with agencies and things like that what I always find is that you know the push methods where we're like contacting you know 500 companies on LinkedIn or we're cold calling or whatever right um, you know most agency owners because they like to be the authority they like to be the expert they like to be viewed as that kind of uh, professional is that the relationship doesn't ever seem to really satisfy them when it's when it's in a push method. Um, so usually that that's why we've just kind of hung our hat on the idea of attraction, right? So all of our marketing strategies that we implement for our clients are always based around our agency owners learning and mastering a market, getting out there and finding an audience within that market that they can get exposure, a one-to-many exposure to their message so that they can build up that authority. And so then when people contact them, they literally say these words, I am reaching out to you guys to, to, to do a website or do digital marketing or whatever because you're the go-to expert. You guys are the company in this space, right? That's what we want because that means that we get to charge higher prices. That means that sales is way easier. That means that the clients trust us and are willing to follow our project management process or our uh, you know operational procedures or take our recommendations. You know nobody wants the client that comes in and thinks they're the expert, and you know is just railroading all of our stuff, right? So when we build the agency as the authority in the market. Uh, then we feel like that creates that attraction environment where people are contacting them, booking on their calendars and all that good stuff. And I think people often overestimate what it takes to be that authority. I mean, you must find that that a lot of people, agency owners, they, they often are the introverted, quiet type. They're not naturally assertive stage hunters. Well, yeah. Do they overestimate it of what it takes or they underestimate? So they, 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 they probably they overestimate. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so like one of my clients, uh, one of my favorite case studies, a guy named Nate, um, he uh, he came to our program in uh, November, chose his market, chose his niche, and um, by uh, by March, uh, he had people contacting him and telling him that he was the go-to professional in that market. Um, so you're talking about four to five months from niche selection to 
uh, being viewed as the authority in that market. Uh, so yeah, it does not take very much, to be honest. Um, I think at that time he had gotten a few articles published and we had set up at least one strategic partnership. So it doesn't take a whole lot to actually establish yourself in that way. Um, and I think the key part for most people is just to help them demystify that process because they think like, oh, you know, that uh, publishers or stages, you know, they, they must reach out to people that they want to have speak or that they want to have write or be on their webinars or whatever, right? And they think that they, you know, they, because nobody's ever reached out to them, that they just aren't special enough. And the reality is that the world works a little bit differently than that. You know, the people that are on the magazine covers, the people that are on stage, the people that are doing the webinars with the associations, you know, all they did was ask. They reached out and said, can I write for you? Can I speak yeah. for you? Can I, can I create content with you? Uh, and so we just demystify that process in our, in our, in our programs. Uh, but we also provide that, that accountability and that, you know, that, uh, person just sitting over their shoulder and saying, Hey, look, I want to help you do this and make sure that you're not getting stuck. I was just on a call earlier today where literally we were just, uh, working on writing with that, you know, writing that message to the publisher, right? What is it? What do I say? What do I say next? Right? Because sometimes people, they don't know because they've never done it. So it takes a couple of times and three or four times in and then they go, this is pretty easy. Like, I didn't think this was that easy. This is really easy. And you're like, yeah, it's, it's pretty easy. <laughs> um, you know, but it's just, it's, it's not having done it enough to know, right? Yeah. And, and it's uncomfortable as well. You've spoken about the, the visibility, the authority, but you'd also mentioned that you need to have some basic sales processes in place because the work, even if somebody says, I love what you do, it's not by extension going to turn into work. Do you want to maybe just quickly outline what a good sales process looks like for you within agency context? I know it's a, it's a, it's a pretty broad question and I, I know we're kind of limited it, it, on time. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. It depends. So we, we, have, um, we have a methodology in our program called the interaction model. And we actually have three... Uh, versions of the interaction model. We have the basic, the classic, and um, the strategy goal. And, and the reason that we have different ones, and, and, and I can't go into you know unpacking all of those, but it depends on what you're ultimately trying to sell. Okay, If you're trying to sell something where it's um, less than $10,000, but it's still a somewhat custom solution, then we have a process for that. If you're selling something in the ten dollars to $200,000 range and it's a custom solution, uh, we have a process for that. If you're selling a productized offering where what you're actually selling, the package is always the same, uh, then we have a process for that, right? Um, so one of the key parts of the interaction model, the name interaction model, is that it's multiple interactions in your sales process. And this all revolves around the idea of scheduled interactions, meaning that you have scheduled appointments with your client of varying lengths and you chain these together to create a process. And at no point do you ever leave the scheduled interaction. So if you have your initial call with somebody, that's what we call the qualification event, right? So when you have your first call with the client, we're qualifying the client, not the project, right? So we're asking the client some basic information about who their business is, uh, you know, what kind of business are, market are they in, revenue, team, et cetera, right? Comparing that against your ideal prospect. If it seems like you're just getting a lot of green lights, this seems like somebody that you'd like to work with, then the next step of that is di diving into some kind of discovery, right? Um, and so scheduling out your next call would be a discovery interaction. From there, you're going to go into your, your uh, if you have enough information to create a proposal, then you go do a proposal presentation. 
uh, and you'll present that and then go into kind of a close and work plan interaction. So on the baseline level, you're talking three to five interactions on you know the those projects that are around the 10K mark. Now, as you start to scale up, discovery gets more complicated. Uh, also, your proposal presentation and or solution presentation can get complicated um, when you're talking about $200,000 deals. So we have a method that basically accounts for both different uh, processes in, in, in that style. On your website, there's a lot of good information about this as well. And I'll link to that in the show notes. People can yeah, and look, I, we have, I mean, so, so for web web pros, um, if it's cool for me to mention, I mean, we have our, our web design sales kit. Uh, I'm happy to give that as a, as a gift to anybody that's on the, the program. And, and that just runs through our basic model. It's like a five-hour video course. Um, I'm happy to give my email address or whatever if you're cool with it, Bob. But yeah. Um, you know, if anybody wants that course, just shoot me an email. It's brent at ugurus.com and um, that'll walk you step-by-step step through the interaction model and um, it'll give you all the, the templates and resources for how to implement that in your business if that's something of interest to you guys. Brent, we're going to have to wrap up in a minute. I'm going to ask you one last question. If, if, if you were looking across the board, what's the one lever that you see people neglecting most often? Oh, the one. Okay. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably say, um, uh, you know, this is kind of the, the idea behind the you and you gurus, which is, uh, which is you, you know, I think that most owners, uh, and entrepreneurs neglect themselves and, you know, investing, whether it's in, uh, you know, time for you to rest and reboot and take some time off from the business and think about your big picture, whether that's investing in, uh, yourself in terms of your network, uh, whether it's investing in yourself in terms of mentorship and training and education, uh, investing in uh, yourself and just you know taking care of your body and your mind and all that good stuff, I think that the one lever that everybody has that they can get the most leverage out of is is themselves. And uh, if you find yourself, as a lot of agency owners do, where they're working really really hard, doing lots of billable work, running around with their hair on fire, um, you know every time I've ever taken a break from my business and unplugged and taking a week off or two weeks off or, you know, cut out at work at five and go hang out with family. You know, that, that time is always what gets me going for the next day because this is, it's a, it's a marathon. You know, you're, if you're choosing to have a business, you're choosing a 10 to 20 year, uh, project, right. And, um, and over the long run, you're the part that's going to become the, the weakest link, you know? And so I think that if you can invest in yourself, take care of yourself, then you can play the long game and that's where you're going to make all the money. That's where you're going to make all the impact. Brent Weaver from You Gurus, you have been a fantastic guest. I'm so grateful for your time. Thanks for having me here, Bob. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And I will speak to you again sometime. Thanks. In business, you stand or fall based largely on your ability to sell. Most of us sadly suck at sales and those of us that don't often end up selling the wrong things. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe, and if you haven't already, then join our Facebook group. You can find a link from the website at bobgentle.com, or just search Amplify Insiders, yes that's new, in Facebook, and you'll find us easily. The Facebook group is starting to get quite busy, so I'd like to take a second to welcome some of our new members this week. Zelta, Hans, Brooke, Brahiden, Matthew, welcome to the group. If you enjoyed the show, then I'd love you to review the show on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me and it's the very best way to help me reach more subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Brent for giving us his time this week and to you for listening. And see you next week.